the 3rd of March 2014 and we're continuing on our talk of the group laws. The second of the laws, the law of magnetic, the law of magnetic impulse is what I'll be reading out and explaining. And this is the law of the eastern side of the eight-armed cross that is inwards to the way of the heart and therefore it's the energy of the heart centre itself that is being described here when we're talking about magnetic impulse. And if you think of a magnet or the energy from a magnet and the way it draws everything to it, and certainly all magnetic sources, then um, that's the way the heart works. And again, you can think of the great cosmic magnet in the universe drawing all entities to it. And as it does so, you get the onset of Pralaya, uh, the dissolution of Manvantara. So you understand that this law of magnetic impulse is the law that governs the path of the development of love, wisdom, of a higher consciousness, of your enlightened awareness. And you can think of it from our perspective as all forces go into the heart and the heart is the seat of shunyata, the void. It turns all the attributes of samsara into void elements and nothing is left but spaciousness and bliss. And through that is the dharmakaya cosmic mind. What's, but that's within you as an individual. But as us as a group, we're travelling to the heart centre of our planet, which is hierarchy. And it's the law of magnetic impulse that draws us to hierarchy. It's their magnetism, their love. If you can think of Kutumi and Moya and the others that you know, their magnetic personalities and the teachings they give you that draws you to them as you cleanse yourself of the impediments that prevent you from being consciously a member of hierarchy. And you eliminate those impediments by developing the Bodhisattva path and the way of love itself, becoming more and more consciously loving, more and more wise in your giving, and more and more group-focused. The heart is group consciousness. It does not know separativeness, does not know self or selfhood, selflessness, atonement. These are the types of terms that we can use to describe the heart. So, and then, of course, the hierarchy itself is drawn to, not just so much to Shambhala, but to Sirius, to the cosmic heart centre. And so as we're drawing to hierarchy, and hierarchy draws closer to the source of cosmic love, and it is all this energy of magnetism, which is this law of magnetic impulse. So this whole concept is also in the, the mystical idea of surrender, of, of surrendering yourself completely, absolute surrender to the, the concept of Christ or Krishna, of the Son of God. And so there's, there's nothing left in you, but you are a consecrated vehicle for the energy of bliss that comes from your union with your concept of saviour and I've used the term Christ and of course Krishna as the two main exemplars of this concept of complete devotion or surrender. So 
this concept, this mystical concept of surrender, of emptying yourself and allowing that which is the source of love to fill the vehicle that has been emptied and then you're drawn to it in divine ecstatic embrace is again a version of this particular law of magnetic impulse. So it gives you an idea of, of its potency and, and the beauty of it. Remember before we were talking about, last week we were talking about the law of sacrifice and how that is the, the preeminent law for our humanity. This law of magnetic impulse actually is a law that is a preeminent law of another creative hierarchy, which I would call the second. So you can see again that sacrifice, surrender, sanctification, these types of terms, what uh, makes you divine. And for the mystic, of course, there's no real concept of sacrifice because all they're doing is fulfilling their heart's desire, which is to be united with divinity, with the Christ principle, the love wisdom principle in cosmos. So everything is subordinated to that. So there's beauty and bhakti. Okay, that's my little introduction. And I'll now read out. So the eastern arm of the cross of direction and space of inwards to the heart of life governs this law. And it relates to the second initiation. It's in the second initiation that you begin to taste the meaning of surrender, the meaning of love wisdom, the meaning of group consciousness. You've battled the dark brotherhood and you've integrated yourself with your group and you're working according to group service and group love. Um, for the second initiation, it demands group service, group love. And that is, and, and of course, its orientation to hierarchy. And so it's at the second initiation that this law of magnetic impulse is contacted or worked upon and at the fourth initiation it's fulfilled. The governing ray is the second and its esoteric title is the law of polar union. You can see again this concept of polar union of the lover with the beloved, of the, the bhakti, the, the mystic with their concept of divinity of absolute fusion of the one. And later on you'll think of in terms of the human and the and the diva kingdom fusing and embracing and infusing and and consubstantiating into one unity. And that is also part of this particular law of polar union. And so that is part of this process that all of us are undergoing as we develop the principle of love. Incidentally, this um, ray, love, wisdom, is dual. And it's the, the translation of the Buddhist concept of compassion being masculine and wisdom being feminine, um, or the diva and the, and the masculine united into one form, the non-dual wisdom. So this again, which brings these two polar opposites into union, into ecstatic embrace, is this law. So it's hierarchy and diva human fusion. Later you'll see it also as that which draws the soul to the monad and eventually the soul no longer is because it's totally absorbed into monadic identification. This is again part of this law of magnetic impulse. As I said, it brings on the effect of praleya. 
So have I inspired you all enough to, to really follow this law, to um, mystically aspire to heaven, to divinity, to become a bhakti? Yeah, you're the magnetic um, substance and you're um, being attracted to the greater magnet, the cosmic magnet, but um, you have to first get rid of those impurities. See, if you actually look at a ferromagnetic substance, what's uh, the difference between a magnet and, and a ferromagnetic substance that's not a magnet is that a magnet has all of its atoms, all of its integral parts aligned in a north-south direction, and so it's all aligned. Whereas in a, a ferromagnetic substance that's not a magnet, and you can turn it by magnet by into a magnet by stroking it 40 or 50 times by a magnet in that north-south direction, is that all of the poles within it are, are scattered. They're all over the place, and they have to be aligned. And that's the same what you're doing. Um, you're aligning yourself, all of the atoms of your substance, all of the divas within you, in this north-south direction. And that eventually is what awakens the kundalini. And again, your consciousness is aligned inwards and upwards to Shambhala or to hierarchy. Again, aligning your whole, all of your thoughts, your motivations, your actions, everything to do with your personal self in that direction. And that's what makes you magnetic and attracts you or makes you magnetic to attract other entities to you. And this is, again, part of this law of magnetic impulse. The symbol is two fiery balls in a triangle. To understand the nature of this law, it's a mechanism of integrating the balls into triangular unity. To understand the nature of this law necessitates comprehension of the way that the heart center functions. The magnetic impulses from the heart beat out the rhythms of the cycles of activity of soul groups. And this is, again, the other thing. It's the soul itself that is governed totally by this law. It's the interrelationship of their soul groups and of the 12 fundamental groups of soul that makes a 12-petal lotus on their domain. The heart center only knows the way of group evolution and assesses the mode of movement in the spaciousness of consciousness. Accordingly, a magnet attracts all magnetic elements to it, similarly the heart in the fields of consciousness. Once that consciousness has been refined enough to be affected by its attractiveness. Only when one is sufficiently established upon the path of love, as signified by taking the second initiation, where group consciousness is realized, can the initiate firmly comprehend the nature of the dynamic pull of the heart's activity. The cyclic pumping of blood to feed all manifest lives in the body is its symbol. By this means, it integrates all into a unity. So you can think of the whole body being incorporated into one unity by means of the bloodstream that feeds all cells. The law of magnetic impulse is the force behind the development of the will of love. The will of love, in, in my book, the one that's been published, is also equated to bodhicitta. We've got... In the chapter, The Will and Its Development, I speak of stages of development of will. It goes from pure desire and selfish desire to self-will and then to goodwill and then the will to love and then the will of love and then finally divine will. And so you can see the will to love is what most of us are developing. We're developing the will to love. We are working upon being loving individuals. We're working upon group consciousness, we're working upon unselfishly helping others and so forth. This is the will to love. The will of love 
is that simply the energy of love is dynamically pouring through you in such a way that you don't have to think about helping. You don't have to think about aspiring upwards to divinity. It just simply is the manifest heart of God is pumping through your veins. And it's working, of course, by means of wisdom, body, chitta. Chitta is the mind that produces the wisdom, and body is, that is compassion. So this will of love is conceptualized by second-degree initiates. They utilize the will to love to learn to serve with the group of which they are part. Later they all come to be united into a unified field of service via the will of love. And I've got this word, unified field, and it does have a relationship to the unified field theory of Einstein. You have to think in terms of unified field of energy. All, every portion of the universe is integrated by this unified field. And when you develop and manifest this will of love, you consciously experience the love of all lovers with the union with the beloved, wherever that energy is in this universe or in our earth sphere. And I'm sure all of you, because you've passed your second, have had an experience of this will of love, of this unified love that resounds in the universe. Of course, this is a way of trying to describe the indigo blue of that Kutumi is the bearer of or that the Christ is the, the pulsating heart for our planet. That exquisite energy is this will of love. And it's that that the initiate from the second degree onwards is trying to hold in consciousness to bear in manifestation at all times. And when you no longer have to think about it. In Buddhism, it's the kapala, the skull cup, with the, the blood in it. And that blood that the enlightened ones drink is this will of love. It just simply fills their whole veins, all of their nadi system, their energy field that, that comes from them, the radiant aura, is this energy. And it magnetically attracts others to them, others that they can help and inspire. The fourth degree initiate, wielding the law of sacrifice, <coughs> comprehends the nature of this law via the sacrificial quest to integrate the all into the heart of life through the shedding of its blood. And here again, this is a, a tamer way of, of just describing what I just said with regards to the kapala and drinking that energy. The way inwards to the heart necessitates the development of love wisdom, bodhicitta, which is that which draws the many to unified knowledge of the purpose of the one life and to actively express its beneficence. So you can see today I'm extolling the virtues of the mystic and saying that that is the path that all of us must tread if we are become knowers of God and thereby occultists. And we can never stop talking about this energy and this energy field and expressing it because that is that which unifies all of us and makes us give our all to serve the plan of hierarchy. D.K. states in Esoteric Psychology, <laughs> Volume 2, page 110, the law of magnetic impulse governs the relationship, the relation, the interplay, the intercourse and the interpenetration between the seven groups of souls and the higher levels of the mental plane. And he purposely uses the term interplay, intercourse and 
interpenetration because it starts with the letter I. And um, if you meditate upon this, the letter I is initiation. And so what he's really referring to is the mechanism of bringing on initiation. Inter intercourse, interplay intercourse and interpenetration. And you can see this interpenetration is this man magnetic impulse, this field theory which I'm speaking of, of love. It's like the bloodstream. It pumps, yeah. right? It pulsates. So uh, this um, impulse is this pulsation of this energy of love during the cycles of, of time when there is that which can also respond to it. Mm. And so it pumps out according to the response. There's two types of electricity or two types of current, direct current, yeah, which is direct and the other is alternating current, whereas I'm thinking more of direct current. It can turn on and off, yes. Alternating current has a regular cycles, like our alternating current that we use is 50 cycles per second. Yeah. Um, but there's a, so it's a regular cycle, and it's like the pumping of the blood. But this particular form of um, energy, the magnetic impulse, is not so alternating as you think, because there's a steady stream of love. Um, the love is always there, and so it never dissipates, and that's the direct current. And within that, there is further floods of, of this energy of love according to the need, according to the response. That's right. It's, so it's a continuous outflowing of energy, but within that, there's waves of stronger love. For instance, the energy of love has to be also held in abeyance of, you know, of cosmic love by the lords of Shambhala because if it was given prematurely to humanity it would flood their solar plexus and produce some of the worst emotionalities and, and extremes of emotionality and all of that type of stuff we saw in, for instance, the Inquisitional period in Europe with fanatics and fanaticism and all the rest of it. So it's not, you know, the energy has to be carefully metered, so it's pulsating out within the constant stream that's there. Continuing with decay, so he talked about interpenetration, interplay and intercourse between the seven groups of souls on the higher levels of the mental plane which constitute the first major form differentiation. Basically he says this is the law that primarily governs the kingdom of souls and as you start to cleanse yourself and aspire upwards through building antikrana, the law of the kingdom of souls starts to descend within you and that is the magnetic pull of the soul that works towards to making you a certain degree initiate. You learn its laws of that kingdom. This law governs also the relationship between souls who, whilst in manifestation and through form, are in rapport with each other. It is a law, therefore, which concerns the interrelation of all souls within the periphery of what the Christians call the kingdom of God. Through a right understanding of this law, the man arrives at a knowledge of his subjective life. He can wield power subjectively and thus work consciously in form and with form, yet holding his polarization and his consciousness in another dimension and functioning actively behind the scenes. This law concerns primarily those inner esoteric activities which are not primarily related to form life. So you all understand this? It is group consciousness, the soul 
is group conscious. It is the way of the heart speaking. It is not the way of personalities interrelate. What people normally call love between individuals is not this law of magnetic impulse. It's a law of desire. The law of magnetic impulse is a far higher law that brings people together in terms of their group affiliations. He further states that because the solar logos is upon the second ray path, all life in the solar system is controlled by this law. And some of you can then extrapolate and say, well, there are some solar systems that are not controlled by this law. And a great majority of the solar systems are not. They are in the rays of mind, for instance. But love is at the heart of our solar system and therefore at the heart of all within the solar system. And it conditions the way we think and move and have our beings. Under its stimulation, the egoic lotuses unfold. Um, DK uses the term egoic lotuses for soul. I use the term Sambhogakaya flower because, of course, I don't like the connotations of the word ego. By ego, he means they individualized. And they can be considered as A. Pulsive interplay between souls in form and out of form. B. The basis of egoic recognition. C. The factor which produces reorientation in the three worlds. D. The cause of magnetic rapport between a master and his group or master and his disciple. And this um, factor, which of course produces reorientation, is turning about in the seat of consciousness. No longer are you focused down into the world of materialism and, and all of the activities of samsara and its attractions and addictions, but you're focused upwards to the kingdom of soul or to hierarchy itself which as I said, totally group conscious. There's no, no other way. And now I'm using the esoteric name because the law of magnetic impulse was the exoteric, but esoterically it is the law of polar union. The law of polar union can only be realized when everything concerning personal ambition and egotistic posturing are eliminated and focused service has produced inner alignment with the Sambhogakaya flower. Polar union can only be conceived of if one places this law at the centre of the eight-armed cross so that it integrates all of the polar opposites of this cross. So it's at the very heart of this eight-armed cross, north, south, east, west and so forth, and it integrates all of the, the polar opposites within it into a unity. It is the mantric sound of the heart of life, hierarchy, beating out the laws of love that attract and galvanize all units of consciousness to organize into various groups in order to serve, to nourish, and to uplift the little ones to more wholesome arenas of activity. They can then do their whole duty as they journey to the sacred sun. And then I have a footnote here that I'm actually referring to the Gayatri. To defeat part of the Gayatri mantra, unveil a Tao who gives sustenance to the universe, from whom all proceed and to whom all must return, that face of the true sun, now hidden by the veil of the golden light, that we may see the truth and do our whole duty on our journey to thy sacred seat here. There's many different translations. This particular translation is William Q. Judge's translation. Um, he's one of the theosophists. Caesar's actually is correct because you're sitting, the power base, yes. That sort of thing, but it's, you can also think in terms of Buddhism, and where all the Buddhas are sitting on lotus blossoms. So now you know that this particular Gayatri mantra is written as a 
inspiration or an expression of this particular law of polar union or magnetic impulse. And it was given out, you know, millennia ago by a hierarchy or by Shambhala or to bring humanity to Shambhala, as you said, to Sanakumara or to the Christ principle. As you know, it was originally only Brahmins could, could say this. It was absolutely secret and um, sacred to the Brahmins and nobody else was allowed to and it became popularised. It concerns the hierarchical integration with Shambhala, producing an overshadowing, beneficent magnetic impulse to draw all lives to the light of the love that glorifies the groups of conscious lives that respond. Polyunion, therefore, is between the sun at the heart of life and the groups of conscious response working to overcome the impediments between them and the glory of the radiant blaze at the heart of all. And here you can see the beauty of, again, this mystical approach and what each of us are working to produce. Following this law of polyunion, we are um, opening up our hearts, which is a sun, and prostrating it before the greatest sun as we journey to it. Glory of the radiant blaze at the heart of all. Similarly, hierarchy stands as such a sun for humanity, drawing to it the sacrificial groups along all ray lines that are truly working for the benefit of all. They strengthen group resolve with intensified energies, shield them with embracing love, and help develop their wisdom and motivation to move forward upon the path. And you can see why we love hierarchy so much. The entire process towards enlightenment is impregnated by means of cosmic astral energies via the law of magnetic impulse. Magnetic impulse involves the, cyc the cyclic flood of cosmic waters and the way they impact upon the systemic planes to cohere all separative monastic forms into a unity. And so you can see this law is the flood of cosmic love coming from the cosmic astral planes um, via the monads um, to those of us that live in our heart centers that can fill our chalices of heart with this exquisite energy. Devic lives are thereby amalgamated into the mandala of an earth sphere that develops via expansive response, the opposite arm of this cross, to eventually produce a divine marriage between the diva and human units that together serve. The entire embodied form then radiates out glory as the cosmic magnet draws all upon the evolutionary path of developing love wisdom. The attractive coherency of magnetic impulse finds a distorted resonance by human desire when it builds all of the attachments to the object of desire and the creative imagination deem it needs. Thus, inevitably, the astral plane is built and the myriad samskaras of desire mind humans know so well. So you can see that the astral plane itself, and I'm saying, has a, is a resonant effect of this particular law. As human beings use this energy of desire to attract to them objects of desire. Thus, inevitably, the astral plane is built and the myriad samskaras of desire mind humans know so well, and which becomes the field of all their misery. The cause of misery are well understood by Buddhists, as well as the path of liberation. 
that the path of liberation concerns a methodology to become non-attached to the sum of this impulsive behavior. The way of non-attachment is the basis to the development of love wisdom, but can also be the foundation for the expression of much of what is deemed as evil when directed by the separative mind. The entire battle upon the path to liberation, whereby this evil is overcome, ruled over by Scorpio, which is the concerns the movement of the disciple from east to the western direction of this cross. The way of the heart, the awakening of love wisdom, inevitably is what will allow one to become liberated as the laws of group service are actively unfolded. Magnetic impulse concerns the electrical interplay between all evolving groups of atomic lives. And I think much more of electricity because that's from one way is what you are composed of. The electrical interplay between all evolving groups of atomic lives. Positively charged units seek their negative counterbalances. All lives have such interactions and the sex interaction of humans is but an effect of this law manifesting in our physical domain. Esoterically, the ruling sign is Libra de Balances, which governs the interlude between forms of activity. Thus it works, the esoteric ruler of this particular law, thus it works to integrate the moving spheres of activity in either pan so that they are resolved into one sphere of quietude. The left pan contains the samskaras of the past, the burden of the calm of material activity. The right pan contains the future where the samskaras come to be cleansed of impediments. The past and the future then come to be resolved into the present that is the eternal now. And therefore, this particular law, which I would call earlier the polar opposites, is also the left and right pans of the, the balances to produce the future and the past into one eternal now, which is the enlightened consciousness. The past and the future then come to be resolved into the present, that is the eternal now. Magnetic impulse manifests as the deep blue of ceaseless cosmic breath that lies at the heart of all outgoings and ingoings, the tides of Manvantara and Pralaya. We first have the polar union between spirit and matter that instigates the phenomenal appearance of things. Then, in conjunction with the law of expansive response, consciousness manifests its evolutionary output. Finally, with the law of repulse, we have the driving of all back to its originating source, carrying the gain of it all. So you can begin to see the way these laws are working together to produce evolutionary purpose. The fourth of the Beatitudes... Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Governed by the sign Cancer the Crab is associated with this law. From this perspective, the crab attaches itself to concepts of group evolution, of the ways of love, to become the light of the watery lives, which, as you saw, was the hierarchical ruler or the hierarchical statement of Cancer the Crab when we did the cards. Old glamoured opinions about the importance of an eye are detached and replaced with new invigorating concepts of how to best serve the hierarchical way. It is difficult to let go of separative habits of mind, so group conscious affiliations can take their place. Hence, the mourning. And this is blessed are those that mourn. Humbleness, representing receptivity to the mantric sound of the hierarchical lotus, comes to be developed in this eastern direction. Cancer represents the door of incarnation, or else to the initiation process. 
the climbing up the lofty mountain associated with Capricorn, polar opposite of the sign. Here, the attainment of the second initiation is implicated, wherein the watery element associated with Cancer comes to be controlled. First, the probationary disciple must work upon his or her ego-seeking involvement with the concept of self. The disciple must then overcome the tendency of attachments to the many material and sensual pursuits that incarnation into the watery pools of the earth have provided. Mourning is the result of relinquishing things that have for so long been coveted. The tendency is also to harshly criticise the obvious failings in others of other religions and philosophical presentation. Fanaticism and zealotry must be counteracted with a broad-minded tolerance and wisest acceptance of these faults. Seeking how to best to lovingly bring an humiliation of the problem. This is one of the major tasks leading to the attainment of the second initiation. And you can see, because of this energy of magnetic impulse and the intensity of the energies that pour from the cosmic astral, when you start to awaken to the second initiation, it can produce fanaticisms of all types. Religious fanaticisms and so forth. Martial activities and some of the worst cruelty that human beings can inflict upon others. Okay, that is the law of magnetic impulse, and the next one is the law of service, which most of you are quite familiar with, and it's quite an important law. So we'll do that next week. Any questions or comments? We all have experienced this energy, we all initiates, and we all aspire upwards to hierarchy into our souls and receive the responding pull from hierarchy and from Shambhala as we go. But you can see this particular law only works within group context, not individually.